everybody leads to some degree. Parents lead, teachers lead, aunties lead, uncles lead, grandparents lead. If you're a boss, you lead. Everybody leads to some degree, but not everybody leads well. As we saw in that little cartoon sketch with that chalkboard, some people lead you off the cliff. That's not the kinds of people you want to follow, yet they're leading. And sometimes we think, oh, I want to lead, I want to lead, but not everybody leads well. Have you ever followed someone that doesn't lead well? Maybe you're driving somewhere and they have the map or the GPS and they're saying, turn here, turn there, and they don't lead well. Especially as husband and wife, if you get into that, that's just disaster for a trip. There's this uh, person who came down our street one day and they said, oh, do you know where this certain area is? I said, yeah, there's two houses and then it's the next left. You just take that left right there. I said, oh, okay. Well, they went, 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 kept going, kept going, kept going, never turned. And I thought, what are you doing? It's right there. And I thought, either I did not give good directions or he did not listen to my directions. And if I were to ask Heidi, she would probably say, you don't give good directions. Because I don't. Sometimes I'll say something that I think I understand and everyone else should. But maybe I'm not leading well. And so everybody leads to some degree, but we all want to learn about leading well. Well, God, as the ultimate leader, has given us different characters in the Bible, different principles that He has placed for us to learn from, so that not only we learn how to lead, but that we would learn how to lead well. And in the Bible, there's, there's a, a thing called the Nazarite Law, and it's actually found in the Old Testament. Now, some of you never heard of this, and uh, part of what we're doing on Sunday morning, and this being our year of focus here at New Hope Hila, Hawaii, is that we're extracting different stories out of our devotional reading. If you read devotions with us, you have the bookmarker. And so we're in the Old Testament right now and New Testament. But we read stories from the Old Testament. And uh, sometimes we wonder, well, how does that apply to us today? How does that affect my life today? Because if you're reading the book of Leviticus and Numbers, you're wondering, who cares about the clans? Who cares about these things that took place? We have Jesus now. And so you might bypass certain important stories with great principles, not knowing how to apply it. And so what we're doing on Sunday mornings is I'm taking a look at our week and what we're going to be reading and taking one of the stories out of our Old Testament and one from our New Testament so that as you read together with the Bible bookmarker, you'll be able to pick up some of these stories. And because of time's sake, we're not able to uh, talk about everything here on Sunday morning But when you do your devotions, you'll hear this story, and then you get to pick up certain principles, too, that God will speak to you. And so if you're reading with our bookmarker, uh, everything is going to be lined up on Sunday morning, and we're a lot more focused in what God is going to be speaking to to us through His Word. So I want to encourage you, get a bookmarker, uh, read the Bible together. Uh, If you don't know how to read the Bible yet... We have some journals in the bookstore. Uh, You can get a hold of one of us as the pastors, or there's other people who have different studies, uh, Bible studies. Our staff can help with that, uh, because we we need to learn how to read the Bible. And some people think, why do I need to learn how to read the Bible? It's like just any book. I pick up a book, I read it, and you're done. The Bible is different than any other book, because the Bible is living and active. It's alive. 
So in order for me to understand this book, I need a spirit that's alive. So I need God's spirit to be in me so that I can understand. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to help us to understand the Bible. So we have uh, journals in the bookstore. It'll help you uh, with reading the Bible. And then we journal. We just write some things down. It helps us not just to lead, but to lead well because we're following the greatest leader. Uh, We also have bookmarkers at our information center and you can pick those up. But uh, it, it really will help tremendously if you're learning about leading. And we know that everybody leads. We know that we, we're in a society that is full of leaders. But not everybody leads well. And that's what we want to learn today. So we'll be in the book of Numbers. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I will read from uh, the Bible. Uh, Numbers chapter 6, and I'll read from verse 1 uh, and to about maybe 5 or 6, and then I'll, I'll read another verse for us. Uh, but it's, uh, you have your notes in your bulletin. You can take that out, and then you can follow along also with that. There's not uh, this scripture in the Bible that I'm going to read uh, in your notes that I'm going to read from the Bible. Uh, but I'm going to read from verses 1, and then I'll continue on in the book of Numbers, chapter 6. So I'll read from verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them. Now, Moses is receiving instruction from the Lord because they just came out of Egypt. Remember, they were enslaved for over 400 years, and now they're becoming their own nation. And God is saying, This is who you're becoming. This is the nation I'm making you to be. But here's some principles you need to live by. Here's some laws that you need to live by. Here's the way you're supposed to live if you're going to live under my blessing. So God gives them some standards to live by so that they could be a blessed people. And he says, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine or vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. So it already seems like, oh, that's... So we can't even drink grape juice? We can't even eat grapes? How does this apply to us? That's kind of a difficult thing to deal with. But God gives them these principles for a reason. And then he continues, he says, All the days of the vow of this separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separates himself to the Lord, for he shall be holy. Then he shall, he shall let the locks of his hair, of his head, grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother or his brother or his sister, when they die because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. Now, even in this, you may think, wow, that's kind of, that's a difficult thing because if a loved one dies, then how are they supposed to be near the body? And we got to remember what God is stating here is that he's a holy God. He's holy. He's pure. And so he's saying, if you're going to come near me or do anything for me and be a part of who I am, you must be holy too. And so God put in place some ways that they could be set apart for him. That's why he said to consecrate yourself, separate yourself, 
set apart. So now you can be used for me. Otherwise, in ourselves, there is no holiness in us. We're imperfect. And so God is saying, here's some things that you need to do first. If you're going to be used by me, here's some things you need to do. And this is a vow you're going to make. And so these people, they said, okay, I'm saying yes to you, so I'm going to go through with what you're asking me to do. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do the things that are required. And he says over and over, separate yourself. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. In other words, this law of the Nazarite is a law of sacrifice. And if we're ever going to learn to lead well, here's the first thing we need to learn. And you can write this in if you're taking notes. Leading well requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. There's no way we can lead well without sacrifice. As parents, we make many sacrifices. You make tons of sacrifices. As grandparents, you make sacrifices that your children may never know. Your grandchildren may never know. You make tons of sacrifices. I remember my mom when we would have dinner because we didn't have much. You know, single parent, we were on welfare, so we didn't have much for children. When she would make dinner, she would make our food and then she would eat hers last. And she would have such a small portion. And we would say, Mom, how come you're eating so little? She goes, well, I'm, that's all I eat. I'm, I get full off of this. I don't eat like you guys. I only eat a little bit. My mom is a tall four feet ten. So we thought, well, since she's, you know, she can only eat a little bit, so she doesn't need much. But what I've learned about my mom is that she sacrificed her portion so that her children could eat more. And we never understood that growing up. She also had candy. She loved Hershey almond bars. You know the Hershey chocolate with almonds in them? Almond roca, Hershey kisses, all these candies. Now that, she never sacrificed. That was hers. And I believe she deserved it. She needed the sugar for us, you know, to keep up with us. And I thought, there's certain things you're going to sacrifice. There's certain things as you lead and lead well, as you lead well, that you're going to need to sacrifice. And sometimes it's hard to make certain sacrifices. That's why God says the only way you can make these sacrifices and make this vow is that you set yourself apart. That you're going to have to make some sacrifices, but in order to make sacrifices, you're going to have to set yourself apart. Sometimes we have a difficult time sacrificing ourselves as, a, as an overseer or as if you're the boss of the company or, or if you're the supervisor. Sometimes it's hard to make a sacrifice or to swallow our pride. And make that sacrifice. Even as a mom or a dad, sometimes hard to make sacrifices. Because we think if we make a sacrifice, people will think we're weak. They're going to think we're weak because we're making certain sacrifices. But the Lord says, no, 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 this is a part of leading well. You're making sacrifices. Number 621, at the end of this sacrifice, at the end of the the vow of this sacrifice of the Nazarite law. It says, This is the law of the Nazarite who vows to the Lord. So we're not making the sacrifice to anybody else. We're making the sacrifice unto the Lord. The offering for His separation. So you want to circle that word. And besides that, whatever else His hand is able to provide, according to the vow which He takes, he, uh, so He must do according to the law of His separation. So you want to circle that. Here's how we can make sacrifices. When it's difficult to make a sacrifice, then we have to remember to separate. That's the only way we can make a sacrifice. 
if we're willing to separate ourselves from that which we need to make a separation from. Sacrifices are hard to make, and it takes some kind of separation to make a sacrifice. See, there is no sacrifice unless I separate myself from that which makes sacrifice so difficult. There must be a separation. If I'm not leading well in the era of finances, then I must separate myself from that which is taking me away from making a sacrifice with finances. Most of the times we get our paycheck and then we know the rent is coming up or a certain bill or electricity. And, but we say, but there's a sale. And so we go shopping. I worked hard for my money, so I'm going shopping. And then we go shopping and then our bill comes up. And then we're like, how are we going to pay this? You know, you, you spend all the money. No, you spend the money. No, you don't save nothing. You spend the money. See, when you like eat out every time, you know, pack your own lunch. And so you go back and forth, back and forth. But we've never separated ourselves from what we want. We want things. Materialism. We want these things. So when the rent is due, we're thinking, how are we going to do this? When the mortgage is due, how are we going to do this? When the electricity is due, how are we going to do this? Car payments. So we borrow money. We pull from all these different places. We use our credit card more than we need to or more than we should. And now we're thinking, how do I do this? We need to separate ourselves from certain things so that we can make a sacrifice. And then in the end, we win. Because the sacrifice was made on the front side rather than scrambling on the back side with our finances. If we make a sacrifice, we'll be leading well in the era of our finances. Sometimes as a parent, if I'm not leading well in my family because I'm consumed with work or I'm consumed with other things that, that take away my time, then I need to separate myself from those things. Not work itself, but sometimes I bring work home. And when I bring work home then it actually takes away from the things I should be doing. I know right now the camera's not on, but look at the stage. It's live. There we go. Thank you. And sometimes when we separate ourselves from the things we, that is pulling us away, when we separate ourselves, now we can make the sacrifice. And as a parent, sometimes it's hard because you don't want to work overtime. But if you work overtime, you get more money. Then when you get more money, the spouse is happy. The children are happy. But then they're not happy because where's the time? Now you're not spending time together. So it's almost like a, a, a cycle that goes around and around. And you're trying to figure this out. But there must be a separation somewhere. So that time can be invested in the family. Time can be invested in your spouse and in your relationship, in your marriage. But that never happens unless there's a separation of some kind. And that's what God is saying with this Nazarite law. He's saying there's going to have to be a separation. Something needs to take place on the side of separation so that you can make the sacrifice. And sometimes only one person wants to make a sacrifice. Or as a father or mother, think of it this way. With our children growing up, they are only going to be toddlers once. Sometimes we say, thank you. Sometimes we say, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes, and, and, and think about it. They're only going to be two and three years old once. They're only going to be four to seven years once. They're only going to be teenagers once. Now you can say, thank you, Jesus. They're only going to be at that stage of their life only once. So we have one shot. To be at their t-ball games. One shot to be at their football games. One shot to be at their recitals. We only got one shot. We only have one shot to help them succeed in the early parts of their life. We got one shot because they're going to grow up. They will never again be two years old. They will never again be four years old, ten years old, fifteen years old, seventeen years old. 
They're never going to be that age again. It comes and goes and they become adults. They got one shot. And so God is saying, you got to separate yourself from things that pull you away from even investing in your own family. So that not only do you lead, but that you lead well. But it requires sacrifice. Now, what about individually, as a person? What are some sacrifices you know you need to make so that God can deal with the deep issues of life that nobody knows about? What are some sacrifices, some things that you need to separate yourself from so that as He speaks, we can hear Him? For some of us, we need to separate ourselves from things that take up our time so that we can actually be in the Word of God. Some of us, we say, well, I don't need to be in the Word of God because I go to church. I don't need to be in the Word of God because I know Jesus. I can talk to Him anytime. I can pray to Him anytime. I want to say this and make this very clear so that we catch this. Being in the Word of God is not you speaking to God. Being in the Word of God is God speaking to you. Most of the times we pray to God, God, I need this, I need that, 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 I need this, I need that. It becomes a song to God over and over. I need this, I need that. It would be great, God, if you could do this, if you could do that. Why did so-and-so do this? Can you help me with this? Give me strength for this. Do this, do that. And that's fine. That's a part of prayer. And then God is just about to speak to us, and then we say, Amen. He's like, oh, I was just going to give you my promise. I was just about to speak to you life. I was just going to give you wisdom. And then off you went. And then you came back to me the next day. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. God, I need that. And then God says, okay, here it is. Amen. And then we're done. And God says, it's time for you to hear me. That's where the Bible comes in. Many people, and I used to be in this cycle all the time, is I'll just say, you know what? I just couldn't have people pray for me. And they pray for me. Same thing over and over and over and over. Over and over and over. And that's another song. Over and over. Continuously. And God is saying, hold on. Did you know that you have the same access to me than those people who are praying for you? Really? Yep. That's what Jesus did for you. Now you can come straight to me. Yeah, but I like you when other people pray. It's more powerful. The power is not from the prayer person. As great as they may pray, they may even, they may even sound good. They may even be praying over you and saying, may the Holy Spirit be working in your life. They can pray great. Same source. Same God. A little child can pray for you and say, Lord, I pray for healing. Amen. Pow. Done. You can pray and say, God, I need wisdom from you. I need wisdom from your word. And God says, I, I, you have access to me. That's what Jesus did. But if we're not in his word, we're not going to be able to hear his voice. If we don't hear his voice, we'll be leading, but we'll not be able to lead well. We separate ourselves from things that take us away. And some people say, I don't have time for the word of God. Yes, we do. We just have to make time. It's there. Oh, we have, we have time to do this. Or, oh, take a picture. Post this. We have time for that. We have time. But God says, make time for me. And when we make time for him, then he says, now I can speak to you. I can speak to you. I can speak to you life because you're making sacrifices for me. I've seen people 
who they'll ask me questions about stress and they'll say, you know, I, I have so much of this things coming on me and, and so many different things coming my way. I just don't know how to deal with it. And then I'll ask, are you in the word of God? No, because I don't have time. And I'm thinking, no, you don't have time to deal with all of that. Therefore, if you're in the word of God, he'll give you time. He'll bless you with that. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you because he's the one that's going to give us the power. It's not going to come from us. In everywhere that we are, even serving or, or whatever we're doing in our homes, in our communities, in, in the workplace. He says, I want you to lead, but I want you to lead well. In other words, God's going to give us various opportunities to lead. He's going he's to present to us areas to, to, and opportunities to lead well. He does that. Ever since we were born, God gave us opportunities to lead. You can write this in our second point together. That we are all given opportunities to lead well. All of us. We're, we're all given opportunities to lead well. Even with, again, as with babies. When we're first born, we're, we're given opportunities to lead. But not just lead, lead well. He gives us those opportunities. And you know where he starts? He doesn't start on the exterior. He doesn't start with everybody else. He really starts with us. The moment that we're born. See, when we're babies and we're born, our arms are all over the place, right? We're, we're just, our, our, our motor skills are not built in uh, to connect with the right receptors and, and our neurons and everything in our, and the transmitters in our brain is trying to function correctly. So in the beginning, we're just moving everything around. And, and as the baby continues to grow, the brain is saying, okay, wait a minute, I don't need to move all of this. You know, I just, all I want to do is move one hand. So as the baby learns and grows and the brain is connecting with all the synapses and all the neurons and transmitters, it's saying, I just want to move one arm. And so the left arm goes down and the one arm, that's why when babies wave, they look at their own hand, they're waving, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, it's working. This is what I want to happen. And the brain is saying, okay, close everything else to move. You just want this to move. And so they do that. And they learn, and as they grow, they begin to crawl. They turn on their tummy and on their back. They roll over. Sometimes they roll before they crawl, but that's working for them. Their, their brains are connecting everything. The brain is working properly. And then they begin to walk. And as they begin to walk, their, their, their foundation and, and their feet and their legs are doing what the brain wants it to do. See, God designed us to lead ourselves well. And it starts with us. He gives us opportunities to lead well. Some of us, we're at our jobs and we're saying, how come I'm not promoted? You know, so-and-so, that guy is such an idiot, but how come he got promoted? You know, that lady, she's so lazy, but how come she got promoted? Must be because she smiled. You know, we, we say all these things, but maybe, maybe God is looking for you to rise up to that opportunity. He's throwing opportunities our way. And he's saying, I'm giving you these opportunities so that you can lead well. You may be at work and so many things are piled on you. And you're saying, oh, the boss only picking on me. I got to do double work in less time. While everybody else get to cruise. Everybody else get to do whatever they used to do. And maybe not so. Maybe God says, you're the right person for this job to accomplish that. Because I'm doing something just over the horizon in your life. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you opportunities to lead, but not just lead, lead well. I want you to lead well in this area. 
And instead of just showing up at work and saying, okay, I'll just clock in, do the job, okay, I'll go home. God is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to lead well. As a teacher, lead well. As a cashier, lead well. Customer service, lead well. Wherever you may be, God is saying, I want you to lead, but not just lead. I want you to lead well. Wherever you may be. And he says, I'm going to give you the opportunities, but you have to be the ones to lead well. Now, when God brings the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, he brings them into the promised land. Now, as he's bringing them into the promised land, he's saying, okay, you still have to take out the inhabitants because they're not of me. And don't follow their ways because they're not going to lead you well. And so God says, here we go. You're going to go into the promised land and you still got to do your part. I'm not going to hand you this thing. This is not a silver spoon kind of kingdom. It's a partnership. It's a relational kingdom. So you must do your part too. And so God speaks to them in Numbers chapter 13. It's in your notes, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. God gave them opportunities. Everyone had the same opportunity. God gave all of them the same opportunity. He says, you must choose a leader among them. Did you know that in our midst today, right here in this church, there's leaders among us? That's you. God calls you the church. There's no greater calling in this world than the church. The church is not the building. The church are the people. That you're the called out ones. That He's calling you to lead well in this world. It's not going to be the president of the company, your supervisor that's going to shine the light. It's going to be the church. Yeah, but I'm not in the position of... It's not about that. You're being positioned as the church to shine as lights, to lead well. Anybody can lead. But not everybody can lead well. God calls you to lead well. He gives the responsibility to the church to lead well. Not the government. You. The church to lead well. He says, you can do this. God calls all of us to lead. He gives us opportunities. We're sitting at this restaurant one day and I overheard this uh, person talking on the phone and he was saying, you know, I'm waiting. I've been waiting for about 10 minutes, but so-and-so didn't show up. And I guess they were doing a job interview and he said, I guess he doesn't want the job. And he says, I'll wait five more minutes, but if he doesn't show up, I'm leaving. And I thought, God gives us opportunities to lead. But not just lead, lead well. See, I could show up to that interview 15 minutes late. I'm there, but am I leading well? Am I leading well? God calls us to show up. Anybody can just be there. But we got to show up. I don't think we want to be the kinds of people that settle for less than God's very best. I don't think so. I think you're the kinds of people that want to do God's very best, that you're saying, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to do my part in leading well. God called you to lead well. Some of you, maybe you have three children or two or maybe one, and then you just found out you're going to have another one, and you're like, oh, great. We're going to have another child. You know how many years apart this is? You know, oh my goodness. We're just settling down. God has given you an opportunity to lead well again. He's giving you an opportunity. You may have all these burdens and finances and things. God is giving you an opportunity to lead well. 
Don't just throw it on the side and say, well, just, I'm not going to deal with it. Just too bad. Just whatever happens, happens. No, God is giving you an opportunity to lead well. And he's saying, when you lead according to the way I lead, then I'm going to bring about the promises. As, he's, as they're going into the promised land, and as God says, okay, you need to go into the promised land. Here's what I want you to do. And so he gives them instructions. Then as the 12 Israelite leaders go into the land, as he says, every leader among the tribes, there are 12 tribes, every leader among the tribes, every one of them, go into the land, and I want you to spy out the land. 12 of them went out, and they spied out the land. Well, 10 of them gave a bad report. And they came back and they said, okay, we went into the land, but it's good. Yeah, we can take it over. There's, there's, it's, it's green, it's lush, there's, there's great you know, vineyards, everything is good. And oh man, the, the, the fruit of the land is amazing. But to take them out, oh, I don't think we can do that. Not possible, too big. These guys are like giants. And so we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They said, I don't think we can do this. Cannot, no way we can't do this. They only reported what they believed in their heart, not what was truth. Because the truth was God was able to do what they couldn't. God was going to be the one that was going to strengthen them to take over the land. Well, thank God for two men, Joshua and Caleb, who came back with, of course, with the twelve. Ten of them said can't. Joshua and Caleb comes back and they say, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Are you... You, think, you don't think we can take out those guys? Yeah, they're bigger and stronger, but do you know our God? How big He is? Remember what He just did. Do you not remember that He took out the Israelites, uh, the Egyptians? Did, did you not remember that He parted the Red Sea? Do you think these guys can part the Red Sea? They can't even part their own hair properly. They can't part the Red Sea. Are you kidding me? Joshua and Caleb came back and they, they, they gave us a word. That I want us to learn today. And, and the word that I'm going to write right now, I hate this word because it's not even in my vocabulary. I don't even like writing this word. But it's this word we usually say, and it's can't. Can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this because so-and-so said this. I can't do that because they don't give me enough of this. I can't do this because you did this to me. I can't forgive because of this. I can't do this. And God is saying, are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Do you, did you forget what I did for you? I gave you Jesus Christ to release, to release all the power. So that, as Joshua and Caleb said, because in every can't, there is a can. Can. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can do this. So when you're faced with, I don't know, 90% of the odds that are against you, and you're saying, there's no way possible, I can't do this. Then remember that 10%, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we can. We can do this. It's possible. I can do this. Why? Because it's not going to be us. It's going to be the Lord's strength through us. Most of the times, there's going to be 10 reasons why you can't. All you need is two that says you can. God and us. He's just going to work through us. 
And then you're going to watch God do miraculous things. You're going to watch Him do things that you know it was not you. It's going to be through Him. Because we can. And that's what Joshua and Caleb was saying to the people. They said, what do you mean we cannot do this? We can do this. Many leaders, many people will rise up and lead. Twelve went out. But not all of them came back and led well. They came back and said what is not possible. Joshua and Caleb came back and led well and said, I'm going to let you know what is possible. Many will rise up and give a report. Most will say can't. Look for the few that says can. Look for those that have that spirit. Many people will rise up and lead, but we don't need people who just rise up and lead. We need people who rise up and lead well. That's what God is looking for. You can lead well as a father. You can lead well as a mother. You can lead well as parents. You can lead well as a husband. You can lead well as a wife. You can lead well as the boss or the supervisor, the teacher, the superintendent. You can lead well as a doctor, as a physician. You can lead well. You can lead well because God said you can. And if God said you can, and if God is for you, who can be against you? It's going to be His Spirit, not ours anyway. It's going to be Him. I'm so glad that it's going to be His Spirit. That's why He asks us, you got to do your part in the community, as a leader, in sports, as a musician. Whatever you're going to do, lead well. And so He encourages us to not just be there, but rise up. And lead well. You can write that in your last point. To encourage us all. Rise up to lead well. Rise up. Many of us will do the job. We'll do what's required. I'm a dad. What can I do? I'm here. I'm stuck. I have children. I'm going to do the job. As a mom, okay, I have children. I'm just going to do the job. Hopefully when they turn 18, they move out. They go to college. I can, I'm done. We try to do the job. We show up at work. We clock in. I just got to do the job. Do the job. Do the job. Clock out. I'm done. See you guys. We try to just get away with bare minimum. Just do the job. And God is saying, I want you to lead well. Rise up and lead well. Because I'm doing something through you. Sometimes we just, we just rise up and lead. But not well in our company. And God is saying, there's something on the horizon. that I'm, There's a promise there. But you got to lead well. There's a promotion coming up, but you got to lead well now. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You're not, you're not leading well so you get the promotion. You lead well so that you represent me well, and I'll promote you. You do this for me, not for people. Because I will never let you down. People will. But He's calling us all to rise up. Many people will rise up and lead, but we don't need people to just rise up and lead. We need people to rise up and lead well. Some of us uh, attend our Wednesday night services, our Wednesday equip services. And our Wednesday equip services are, are designed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's us. So that we can do what God has called us to do. Not just serving here in the church, but out in the community. And some of us, we, during the week, we just, we just need that, almost like uh, that extra nudge of encouragement. So we have our Wednesday equipped services. In in fact, so many of you are rising up and leading well. So many volunteers jumping on board. So many people saying, hey, I've been at this church for years. I'll jump in. I'll help. Where do you you need help? And God is saying, this is your season to lead well, to rise up and lead well. He's speaking to your hearts. And people are rising up and leading well. Our staff is doing an amazing job. They've risen up. They're leading well. 
one of our staff members, Bunny Correa, is, uh, she's risen up and she's leading well. Uh, she's actually uh, tag-teaming with me on Wednesday night and speaking and, and just bringing the Word of God. And I'm so proud of her that she's rising up to lead well. And if you've never been here on a Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to be here this Wednesday. Actually, Bunny's going to be speaking on her own on this Wednesday night. I just see God moving in her life and that he's doing a wonderful thing. So I'm just going to move out of the way so that he can do a mighty work through her. Uh, so some of us, we just need that, that extra encouragement. We need that, that weekly, you know, that nudge during the week because... Sometimes we come on Sunday, and by the time Monday hits, we're like, we need, we need more connection with the body of Christ. And so Wednesday night, we have our Wednesday equipped services, and I thought, Lord, you're, you're raising up so many people to lead, but not just lead. They're leading well. And that's you, the church. You're all rising up to lead well. I see you with your families and, and in the community. You're just rising up. That's, what, that's how God designed the church Now, with this Nazarite law and God bringing all these things in, sometimes we can say, how does that apply to us? Where does this work? Well, the the Nazarite law is that law of sacrifice. And we can only lead well because one person made a huge sacrifice for us. And that's Jesus Christ. He made a sacrifice for us so that our sins would be taken care of. That He would wash away our sins, give us forgiveness of our sins, so that we would have a connection with God the Father. And now He says, not only have I made a sacrifice for you, but I want you to now rise up and lead well. Yeah, but I'm not able to do this, this, and this because of my past or this behavior or that. No, I'm taking care of that. You focus on leading well for me, I'll take care of all the junk. I'll take care of that. Yeah, but so-and-so said this. No, 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 no. I made the sacrifice for you so that you can lead well. Yeah, but I I just don't, I'm unworthy. It's like Jesus smiles and he says, you don't get it, do you? It's not based on our worth. It's based on his worth. And now that he paid the price for us and made that sacrifice, we don't become worthy in ourselves. He says, you're worth everything. And because of that, your worthy is found in me. Your worth is found in me. It's not found in anything else. And so now he says, you lead well. Because you're worth something. You're worth my life. And me dying for you. He says, you lead, you lead well. In the book of Acts... Paul the Apostle was dealing with the same kind of issue of, boy, I have a past. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to lead well. And, and he met Christ. And his name was Saul before he met Christ and his name became Paul. And as he's serving the Lord, he's trying to figure out how do I continue to lead well knowing that there's junk behind me and, and my, a, a past that keeps coming and finding its way back to the forefront, people reminding me of my past and what I used to do. And now Paul is before the king. His name is King Agrippa. And he's before the king. And, the, and now he's, he's broadcasting to the king what took place in his life. And it's in Acts chapter 26, and I'll turn there. And I'll read it to us. And Paul is just kind of recounting his conversion of when he met Christ. And it's in Acts chapter 26, verse 12. 
And he speaks this to the king. He says, while thus occupied, it's not this scripture, it's, I'm just reading it. It says, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king. Now, here's where his, there's a little shift in gears here. He says, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the, than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. So there's this, this bright light, brighter than the sun. It actually blinded Paul. He was blind for three days. I used to play this game because it was free, stare at the sun game. And whoever won, you won nothing but cataracts. So we used to play that, but you, you become blind for a while. Paul's blind for some days. Someone had to pray for him so that his eyesight got back. But he's recounting this conversion. Some of us seen the video of the meteorite that hit Russia. And if you saw that bright light, it was brighter than the sun. That's a meteorite. God created the world, the universe. He's brighter than that meteorite. So Paul is saying, there's just this bright light. Jesus showed up. It's in all of his glory. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And the goads were like a prodding rod for the sheep and, and, and herding the cattle. So I said, who are you, Lord? Then he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now think of it. He met Christ. And when he met Christ, he was faced with an opportunity to not just lead, but to lead well. And then Christ speaks this to him. And he says, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you met me. You came face to face to me. But I didn't, I didn't meet you and come into this relationship with you so that you could just live your life, whatever. He says, no, I need you to stand and rise to your feet to lead well as a father, to lead well as a mother, to lead well as a husband or a wife. I've called you to stand to your feet and to lead and to lead well, to be a minister to other people. So that they would be able to turn from their ways and turn to me. That they would see the light. Turn from darkness. Turn to me. That's what Jesus did for us. There are people who lead. There are leaders who lead. But then there are leaders who lead well. And here's the difference. Those who lead well. Bless those who follow them. They're a blessing to those who follow them. Those who lead well are a blessing to those who follow them. And we're led by the ultimate leader, the leader above all leaders. God himself who gave us Jesus Christ, who said, come follow me. And the reason why Jesus said that is because he is the leader above all. That as we follow him, we, be, we become blessed by him because those who lead well, bless those who follow. And he says, when you follow me, you'll be blessed. But I'm not going to bless you so that you can just wallow in my blessings, so that you can just stay in my blessings. It's so that you can lead others well too, and they'll be blessed by me. 
But he said, you got to rise up. you got to be the ones that rise up and stand to your feet. As they were concluding with this Nazarite law, and God was speaking to the people and to Moses, he said, this is how I want you to bless my people. This is what I want you to say. And as they were concluding, Moses gave God's blessing over the people. And so I thought, let's do that today. Let's do what God did back then. Because it's not what He did back then, it's who He is today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this blessing that He gave to them, He said, to bless these people. That's what He said to Moses. That happened thousands of years ago, but it's the same God today. And so we're going to do the same blessing. And the blessing would be so that we would rise up to lead, but not just lead, lead well. So I'm going to ask you to put away your notes and your Bible. And I'm going to ask you to rise and stand to your feet. Just as Jesus said, that you'd rise and stand to your feet. That He has appeared to us for this very purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. That you're going to be the light into this world, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which He will yet reveal to you. There's, there's a, a little downside to some of this. That even though you lead well, there's some people that will not follow you because you stand for the things of God. You're going to make some sacrifices, some difficult decisions. But follow Jesus. Continue to follow Him. Here's the blessing. It's in Numbers 6, 22 through 26. And it's actually in your notes so you can take that home with you. And, and say this scripture time and time again. You can pray this over your family. You can, you can say this to your family. Or when you gather together, you can pray this prayer or speak this blessing. And it's in number 6, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying that this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. And he said, say to them, and this is what I want to say to you this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for being the ultimate leader. That you've given us responsibilities. You've given us a way to, and opportunities to lead well. I pray for all of us as parents, grandparents, that we would lead our families well. Those that are serving in our community, whether in school, whether in an organization, in our county, our state that we would lead well. And we can only lead well because you're the ultimate leader who we follow. And as we follow you, we'll be able to lead well. I pray for every person here today that as we leave these doors, we will remember to not just lead, but lead well. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen.